baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Welcome to Beyond Black History Month. I'm your host, Femi Redwood. There's an apartment complex in my neighborhood called Ebbets Field. It used to be a baseball stadium that was home to the Brooklyn Dodgers. Often when I walk past, I wonder what it must have been like to be a black child in 1947, hoping to catch a glance or hear the play of Jackie Robinson, who's credited with being the first black man to play on a major league baseball team. His first game with the Brooklyn Dodgers was April 11, 1947, where he rocked the number 42 on his jersey. After him, more and more black players joined the league. But 75 years later, MLB still has a race problem. At first, the number of black players increased. In 1981, according to the Society for American Baseball Research, 18.7% of MLB players were African American. Today, that number is closer to 7%. Let's start at the beginning at the Negro Leagues. The Negro Leagues were where mostly African-Americans, but some Afro-Latinos, could play professional baseball because obviously major league teams weren't always integrated. I played for the New York Black Yankees and the Indianapolis Clowns. 87-year-old W. James Cobbin played in the Negro Leagues. He is the epitome of history come alive. Even if it didn't feel like it at the time, the Negro Leagues and its players weren't exactly rolling in dough. If you knew anything about the Negro League, money is something we never had. In the Negro League, that's, that's one of the problems. We didn't have any money. He made $165 a month. White Major League players, on the other hand, made between $300 and $2,000 a month. And that didn't even include their food stipend. But black players dealt with the low pay because they loved the game. I do know that when the bus, our bus pulled into town, we had people like mad watching us get off the bus, want us to sign autographs and shake your hands. Negro Leagues Baseball Museum began in 1990. Ray Doswell is the vice president of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum in Kansas City. He says black folks were playing baseball before emancipation. Even during the time of slavery, African Americans certainly could see and witness the game and free blacks could see and witness the game and ultimately began to participate in the game themselves. He says the organization we now know as MLB began to form in the 1880s. The teams were mostly all white, but there were a few black players, some who passed as white, but not Moses Fleetwood Walker, a.k.a. Fleet. While Jackie Robinson was the first black man to play on a modern-day MLB team, Fleet was the first black man to play in the major leagues in 1884. 
You see, there were a few different professional leagues early on, including the one Fleet played in called the American Association. This later became the American League, which is now a part of MLB. Fleet was a catcher for the Toledo Blue Stockings, and he faced a ton of racism. On and off the field. Racial slurs were yelled at him during games, pitchers would ignore his signals, a death threat here and there, you know, typical Gilded Age racism. There was one time he actually had to be benched for a game because the team received a letter saying if he took the field, a mob of 75 men would attack him. There was never a written rule in most of these leagues that said that blacks or more equally as important Afro-Latino athletes could not play, but ultimately it was racism and collusion that kept them away. Fleet was cut after one season. By the time he tried to get back into the major leagues, the unofficial ban against black players was in effect. This lack of acceptance pushed black entrepreneurs to create their own thing. However, these initial black teams didn't have deep pockets, nor did they have some of the traditional league structures we know today, like playing common opponents on a regular basis. They played against all levels of competition, white, black, high school, whatever. Stability was a big issue. But then, some changes. World War I ended, race-related violence against black folks increased, political movements like the Harlem Renaissance come into play, the Great Migration happens, and black folks are getting factory jobs. Doswell says this caused a push from black fans, black press, and black players for these black baseball teams to become more organized. Now you got folks who have money that can go to baseball games. Okay, so black teams have fans, but they don't have home fields. Now we get more of a stable attempt at creating a league structure. And in 1920, black team owners met in Kansas City, and Midwestern teams formed the Negro National Leagues. Rival black leagues formed elsewhere, like the Eastern Color Line on the East Coast. There were some ebbs and flows, but for the most part, these teams had success. They even had a Negro World Series. But then, World War II. Both black and white baseball players were drafted, but because all white draft boards didn't want African Americans serving in the military, the white leagues were much more hurt by the draft than the Negro Leagues. While the white teams were gutted, the Negro Leagues were still on fire. Black teams are renting baseball parks from the white major leagues. Where there wasn't segregation in terms of seating and white fans could go watch black baseball. And they could see high quality black baseball. Take Washington DC for example. The black team, the Homestead Grays, rented the stadium from the white team, the Washington Senators. So white fans would watch the black team play, then a few days later watch the white team play, and be like, wait a minute, this team is horrible. Why can't we have some of the black players? This happens as there is also a push for integration from progressive politicians in New York. Because black soldiers are fighting for freedom in Europe, in the United States military, fighting against the Nazis and the fascists, but enduring some of the same indignities at home. And a lot of people are using baseball as a test for integration, especially in places like New York City. New York at the time had three major white teams, the Giants, Dodgers and Yankees. Doswell says these teams are requesting things from the government, like permits to play ball on Sunday and permits to sell alcohol. So the city says, hey, you gotta think about integration. And it's in this environment that Jackie Robinson comes on the scene. 
Robinson played baseball, basketball, football, and track at UCLA. At the age of 26, he began playing in the Negro Leagues on the Kansas City Monarchs. He enjoyed the games, but hated Jim Crow laws, especially ones that prevented him from eating in restaurants and using the bathroom. Traveling from city to city wasn't exactly fun when you're not sure where you'll be able to sit or eat or use the toilet. Robinson was a great player. Fast, good defense, and a great swing. The rest is history. A team like the Brooklyn Dodgers decide they want to get ahead of the politics and ultimately begin recruiting black players and settle on Robinson. Integration throughout the major league took some time. It wasn't until 1959 that every team had at least one black member on its roster. What was it like when Jackie Robinson took the field? It must have been joyous to see that kind of representation. But at the same time, everyone wasn't happy seeing a black man on the field. Cobbin, the former Negro player you heard from earlier, can give us an idea of what Robinson went through. Cobbin ended his baseball career in the Negro Leagues, but he started in the Major Leagues. He was offered a contract with the Pittsburgh Pirates in the mid-50s, but things started to get rocky as early as spring training. And as we arrived there on the plaza of the hotel, there was, I guess, maybe 100 guys. So it was a beautiful day, and, and, and I just thought I was in heaven. And so then they started to assign rooms. Everyone was going to a room, but Cobbin and Reginald Howard, another black player, were just left standing there. And shortly after that, this red truck rolled up, rolled up on the plaza. It was a black guy, and they put our luggage in the back of, back of his truck. And uh, me and Reggie, then they took us out to his house. We could not stay in the hotel. Instead of being at the hotel with their teammates, they slept in the country at the home of a sharecropper. One of the things that's, uh, that I continuously remember is that when we got there that evening, we had to take our bath. Mr. Williams had to heat some water on his wood-burning stove <laughs> and pour in his zinc tub for us to take our bath. Cobbin didn't quite get the major league perks. He says when he signed with the Pirates, he received an entire pamphlet about what he could do and where he would go. But this hotel incident made him realize the only thing he could do was play ball. We entered the ballpark through the back gate and uh, the other kids came in the front gate. Once we got there, we just ripped the ball up. I mean, we just tore it up. I mean, they were amazed. Racism doesn't disappear when barriers are broken. Irrigation always pisses you off. But when you're 20 years old, you don't quite, you know, internalize that kind of stuff as much as you do as you get older. But at 20 years old, I wanted to play baseball, period. Booze and heckling were an issue. They tell you that when you get there, if you can't respond to those kind of things. That was the biggest asset of Jackie Robinson. They looked for a long time trying to find a black baseball player who could do the job of breaking the color line like Jackie did. And what they were looking for was, you know, Presley had to be a good ball player, Jackie was a good ball player, and he had the right temperament to do the job. Jackie said that it wasn't a day in his whole career that he didn't want to quit, but he knew what he had to do. He knew his job was to had to endure the, the abuses and play a good game. <sighs> 
and the abuses went beyond slurs. Players slid into Robinson's legs with their very sharp cleats intentionally. Players would also aim balls at his head, also intentionally. In fact, Robinson had to sew metal plates into his cap. I can't even imagine the strength to deal with that, especially considering when Robinson joined the MLB, he was only 28 years old. But that kind of treatment was why Cobbin left the MLB for the Negro Leagues as soon as he got a chance. Seriously, during the Pittsburgh Pirates spring training. He says the Negro Leagues were the best thing that happened to him. He got support, kinship, and growth. I learned a lot more about baseball and became a lot better player just by moving in with teams with people who cared about you. He says teams would even help those they were competing against. Negro League players did face racism, but it wasn't from their own team. And that led to another difference between black and white teams. Negro League coaches were also angry at Jim Crow, like when they stopped at a gas station and Cobbin needed to cash a money order. A bank was right there beside the gas station, so I jumped off the bus and ran into the bank to cash this check. He didn't realize he wasn't allowed in the bank, so he continued asking for service. When he got outside, he realized just how dangerous that was. When I went outside and the guys in the bus, they wanted the driver to leave me. And then he gonna get us killed. This guy gonna get us killed out here. Get the hell out of here, leave him, leave him. <laughs> Thousands of men played in the Negro Leagues, but when Robinson went to the majors, well, fans started to go with him. In addition, as more teams integrated, the major leagues would take the best players from the Negro Leagues. This all played a part in the Negro League disbanding in 1948. While there is definitely nostalgia and an affinity to this organization that gave black men joy, Cobbin says progress took over. It should have been together all the time. And if it had been for racist uh, segregation, uh, it would have been a better league coming up anyway. Because in the early 1800s, it was good. There were two major leagues, one white, one black, and unequal. The unequal is the fact that we had no money, that you had no stadiums, but we were the better ball players. When we come back, we will explore why there are so few black MLB players today and what the league says it's doing to fix it. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to Beyond Black History Month. I'm your host, Famie Redwood. It's ironic that baseball was so popular amongst black people that an entire black league was created. So why are only 7% of its players today black? What happened? Apparently, several things. Sports journalist Ed Easton says cost, strike one. 
how do you go out there and say you want to be a baseball player when you don't have bats, when you don't have balls on a regular basis? You don't have catcher's equipment. All that is very expensive. I looked at data from the Federal Reserve. It found the average white family has nearly eight times the net worth of the average black family. Baseball requires a lot of gear. And in some communities, you have to rent the baseball field. Compare that to basketball, where you only need a $30 ball and there are free hoops everywhere. Ed says there aren't enough baseball camps that cater to black children. Strike two. There aren't really many camps out there that say, okay, we're going to have in the inner city different leagues and different opportunities to learn the game the right way and play at a high level and then be noticed and then move along in the process. This is something you see in football. It's something that is celebrated in basketball. He says baseball marketing is atrocious. Take Mookie Betts, for example, a 29-year-old black player for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Mookie Betts is one of the best young players in Major League Baseball. Just signed a 12-year deal worth $350 million. Ed says the MLB doesn't create the same type of marketing buzz as the NBA and NFL. Strike three. Every kid is impressionable. The guy like Mookie Betts, he should be on almost every commercial, you would think, but he's not. And when you look at management, numbers are also abysmal. Do you know how many are actually African-American in baseball? Only two. You talk about Dave Roberts with the Dodgers and you got Dusty Baker with the Astros. You're, you're kind of just saying, okay, well, every year we're going to try to add someone. We're going to try to look for someone else. It's been one of those things that's kind of swept under the rug. The league has been aware of these problems for decades. I found archived articles going back to the 80s, yet here we are. Baseball, just like most jobs, it's who you know you know, where you think will fit the culture and etc. The problem is the people that don't fit the culture you don't see are African Americans. Ed says clearly changes are needed and it starts with behaviors. It's 2022. We still hear stories of players getting racial slurs thrown at them at games, going to games. Here in 2022, we're still getting that. It seems like a lack of investment is the issue. That's likely why the MLB announced in 2021 it would donate $150 million to the Players Alliance. The money will be used to celebrate black baseball history and get more African Americans interested in the game. I think baseball has the same opportunity to make good with when it comes to players and, and the representation because it's been done in the past. I grew up in an era where Derek Jeter, Ken Griffey Jr., Barry Bonds, these are all big time players. <laughs> Moses Fleetwood Walker was truly courageous. But it saddens me that so few people know his name and what he did. He was the first. And that's not to take away anything from Jackie Robinson. He also endured atrocities to pave the way for black players. But his story is also heartbreaking. Robinson died at just 53 years old. He had diabetes, he was nearly blind, and he suffered a heart attack. Despite him being a legend, the racism he felt didn't just affect him on the team. Like so many African Americans, it permeated through every part of his life. 
his safety, his income, and his health care. It's also a pity that despite how hard Fleet and Robinson worked, there is so little to show for it on baseball fields today. And while some players will donate their salaries on Jackie Robinson Day and players will wear the number 42 jersey, I hope Major League Baseball returns to fixing a problem the organization created. It should have been together all the time. And if it had been for racist segregation, it would have been a better league coming up anyway. Because in the early 1800s, it was good. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy our Beyond Black History Month series, please subscribe. Beyond Black History Month is a production of 1010 Wins and WCBS News Radio 880. Massive thanks to our producers Dempsey Pilat and Andy Egan Thorpe. Tim Sheld is the WCBS News Radio 880 brand manager. Ben Meverack is the 1010 Wins brand manager. And I'm Famie Redwood. Thanks for listening. Playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 